Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind. So you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval. And check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. Right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com, the lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease you know you've got a comeback in you when you take the next step you're going to make it count for your career for your family for your life you can earn a degree you're proud of with purdue global purdue global is backed by purdue university one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities this is your chance this is your opportunity this is your comeback Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. It's 2.25 a.m. in San Junipero, and you're listening to Night Call. Welcome to Night Call, a podcast to keep you company on those strange days and lonely nights. My name is Emily Oshida, and I am in New York City. And with me on the other line in Los Angeles, I have Molly Lambert and Tess Lynch. And we were just moments before hitting record here, uh, kind of gaping collectively, uh, bicoastally over... The new Janelle Monet video that just came out uh, a few hours ago for uh, uh, for Make Me Feel. That's the song. Uh, hence the San Junipero reference. It is basically a kind of, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a light tribute, but it's just amazing. It's her and Tessa Thompson in a neon colored club with like Prince guitars. And it's just fantastic. And I'm really glad that there is a new Janelle Monet piece of music and visual in the world because it feels like it's been way too long. 
Welcome back. All right. <laughs> Sorry, guys. That's, a, that's our collective message for Janelle Monet, I guess. I love Janelle Monet. I actually, um, she was my daughter's favorite guest on Sesame Street. She did a very high impact song about fixing your mistakes, getting Ooh. it right. I don't think I've seen that, but I can imagine her being just like a perfect Sesame Street guest. She is, she's just yeah. like, yeah, she's just got this like energy. It's like her center of gravity is like right in like the middle of her body. So it makes her kind of like this, like, I don't know. There's something about her that just feels very suited to like she's bouncy. Elmo arms. She looks bouncy. <laughs> yeah, she's got that Muppet, Muppet body. Yes. Yeah. Body movement. Great. Hey, speaking of music videos. Huh. I happened to see a really good music video for Speedy Ortiz's Lucky 88 that I think was directed by a friend of ours, Molly. Hey, good good segue, Tess. Anytime, anytime. Where where did you see the music video? I saw, it, it, on, saw it on the internet. I saw it on, on the YouTube. internet. Whoa. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, Emily, spoiler alert, that you directed and produced or just directed? I forgot. I directed and produced. It was incredible. Um, yeah, there's a... Thank um, you. There's a, a very Black Mirror-y, a, a jokey Black Mirror storyline and some excellent practical effects. And yeah. Tess and I want to know everything about the slime practical effects. Well, first of all, who came up with the concept? Um, so I kind of got the the gig a little bit last minute. Um, and I all I knew was that they kind of wanted something in the neighborhood of Riverdale and Black Mirror. That was what I was told. Like nice. Kind of like... I, I, I think like the color palette of Riverdale more more like mm. and I was like oh great I that is my address the yeah. intersection of Riverdale <laughs> and Black Mirror I would love to do something uh, did you and, see that um Greg Araki directed a Riverdale no I didn't see that I've not been um, watching this season It'll I feel be like there. it's going to be waiting for me yeah someday when I'm sick it's or waiting like for that. you like a milkshake at Pop yeah Pop's chocolate shop um. But yeah, so I, I kind of tossed around some ideas. I mean, I would have loved to do like a high school set. The my original idea was something that was like set in a high school. And then it just felt like it was going to be too lo- logistically complicated. Dealing with to, teens. You don't want to yeah. deal with teens. It was funny. I was going back and thinking about it. And I was like, so I spent this, a very satisfying summer reading um, two out of three of the Vallis trilogy, the Philip K. Dick books. And um the third one is the Three Sigmata of Palmer Eldritch. And the idea of it is that um, colonists on Mars are so bored that they take this drug where they basically get to live this alter ego life and they can buy these like, like they can buy objects to have in their drug state. Um, so oh, like everybody the Sims? has. Or Second Life. Yeah, it's basically like Second Life, except it's induced by drugs. And so everybody like. Everybody can't wait to get like the latest sweater for their for their uh, for their choosy experience, and uh, or no, it's not choosy. It's candy. Candy is the first one, and everybody becomes either um, the the women become somebody named Perky Pat, and <laughs> uh, so that was sort of like the persona was like Perky Pat um, <laughs> for for Sadie, but um, but yeah, uh, and then the slime. I was just like, I think I had read this. Um, Junji Ito comic uh, dissolving class dissolving classroom over Christmas mm-hmm. and I was just really um, 
entranced with the idea of doing something with slime. And luckily, slime is the hottest thing right yeah, now. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I thought you were yeah. just riding the slime wave. No, 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 no. <laughs> I wasn't. And then I realized, oh, yeah, this is like every time that kind of pops up, maybe on your suggested views Yeah, on it's Instagram always on something. suggested videos. Like, hey, would you like to watch somebody like yeah. poke at some slime? Heard or, you like slime. I do. Yeah. yeah. And it's so funny because, um, you know, I was like trying to find somebody to, to just like manage the effects during it. And um, everybody who was kind of like working on the video was like, oh, I mean, like, you know, if, if they could work 12 hour days, I would just call my cousin or something because they like make these huge vast yeah, that's quantities what I was of gonna slime. Say, when you were like, hey, do you know anyone who makes slime? And I was like, who doesn't make slime? These right. Days? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is definitely a, a, a post-election phenomenon is you that know, everybody got really into like manufacturing large quantities of slime. It was like right after fidget spinners. It was the next thing. Right. Well, it's slime right. is a Because it's supposed thing, to be therapeutic. Though. Yeah. Because remember in yeah. the 90s, there was slime. There was gak. I was actually yeah, just We looking, were into slime. We were super into slime. But there was there was like this whole list of Nickelodeon um, different kinds of slime and putties and things, and some of them have been discontinued. Others remain. There Floam. Are, like, people buy Anybody them. remember Floam? Floam? Exactly. I feel Floam. like the making your own is new, and that's the thing that I like to watch videos of. I just like used that to explain to somebody what ASMR was. Oh slime. yeah. I was like, you know, it's like when people make those videos of slime where they like squish the slime. They squelch slime. Yeah. And they were like, oh yeah, yeah, they I've watched this. Well, there's yeah, also but- a big snail mucin cosmetics <laughs> movement and i think that that just kind of like it's snail a slime. masks yeah slime becomes you, a part of your daily life do you think we're way. just in like the mucus age i think it we is. are i think i think people are ready to get gross that was kind of my feeling in doing it is like i think that there is kind of a, like reactionary to maybe the hyper controlled like global airbnb aesthetic of everything now which is also what the video has in it. It's like people just want to see things get covered in slime and goop. And it was like, really nice to watch that happen. It was. It's also an <laughs> earworm. It's such a good Yeah, it's a great song. song. Something yeah, about yeah. The, the sushi covered in slime really like did something weird to my brain. So. <laughs> good job, <laughs> yeah, Emily. Nice job, Emily. Thank you. Um, hopefully I have a chance to do that in a long form fashion. Yeah. I mean, I also, I think The Blob is like one of the scariest horror movies of all time. It totally is. I watched a bunch of The Blob for this. I watched, obviously, Repo Man was like a big influence on it. Uh, and yeah, but The Blob is so scary and it's all these practical effects and it's so nasty. And it kind of reminds me of a movie that's coming out this week that hopefully we'll talk about next week that also has some very nasty. Oh, yeah. Uh, both practical and digital effects, but it's just like gross. Tess, any um, more slime thoughts? Um, I'm wondering, I was sitting here musing, wondering whether um, cosmetic kind of booms, like when people are really interested in multi-step uh skin rituals and cosmetics if that correlates at all with people's fascination with slime i do think so you know why because there have been some really slime like face masks that's coming what i'm out. thinking the bubble mask there's like the ones and- with glitter and then i saw a really grotesque one that was like just the imagery is grotesque it's like dr jart like shaken shot that uh cara brown was like trying out that seemed it seems really fun to do like whether or not it yeah. actually does anything to your skin it's like so weird yeah. looking but then i'm yeah. always like what if it got stuck on your face well I'm there's like- there's one i think it's like what the hanicure mask i'm i obsessively read about this stuff but i don't really use it but there's one that like tightens your face 
so much that it it makes you look very old and then you rinse it off and it's like your face is really tight and then there are these bubble clay masks that kind of foam when they come in contact with like the oils on your skin but I wonder if it's you know being in contact with these kind of goopy gooby goos uh (laughs) if if you start kind of like becoming more fascinated with that texture because it's kind of yeah. like insinuated it's, it's losing like, into your life it's like we're we're simulating a stress response that a, like animals like exactly. snails and anybody else have which where there's like if, if you're stressed out you create a gooey layer to um, protect you from the rest of the world <laughs> yes i feel like that is what's going on here I mean, it's the same with like mucus if you have allergies or something and you get mucusy like that's the same thing i feel like it's just um, like a melting time like everything's melting <laughs> The world yeah. is melting. So you think that the goo and the slime is a comment on global warming? <laughs> That's oh, it valid. is though. It totally. I mean, no, because that is like also the other pitch from Sadie. I mean, the song is kind of meant to be about this thing of just like being so fed up, or like you know, being so fed up with how much conflict and like stress and stuff is going on. But meanwhile, everything is like you know, the world is gonna die a slow heat death, etc. And yeah, so that was like definitely there from the start of the video was the slime being global warming. Um, (laughs) Speaking of global warming briefly, Martha Stewart has been on a polar journey that I feel uh, was directly inspired by Night Call. Uh, Definitely. She's at the South Pole and she's been posting the most amazing photographs of like ice formations from a tiny 10 person boat called the Zodiac. (laughs) Wow! Yes, that she is. She's a Night Call fan. Yeah, it's right. It's right she's there. she's very. Is she dark. is she a Toski? Is she an Avery? Or is she? <laughs> <laughs> she might be like a Zodiac. I think she is. That's yeah, yeah. true. <laughs> Gave you all. She's the very. Clues. I love her goth Instagram. It's so goth. It's very like she posted this picture once of like a donkey eating a coyote, and everybody was like, "Wow!" And she was like, "It's the brutality of chaos nature." <laughs> <laughs> she's Herzog. <laughs> Speaking of our other night call listeners, I think that we have uh, some listener questions that we were going to tackle. We'll go like doodly 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 doodly. <laughs> so we we received a bunch of really great um, voicemails and emails this week, and it was really hard to choose from um, the good questions that we got. But and we- and if you have a call for us, you should give us a call at two four zero four six night. That's right, Emily. Or you can always email us at nightcallpodcast at gmail Drop us a line. Let's uh, have a voicemail, guys. Let's kick it off. Hey, night callers. This is uh, Ben Howard from North Hollywood, California, walking the dog in the cold, not-so-rainy streets of North Hollywood. Here with a question for you. Uh, me and my friend uh, Linda were talking. He's a huge Harrison Ford fan, big, big crush on the man, particularly classic era Ford. And we had a good uh, question. What year was Harrison Ford the hottest? Like, what single year was he just looking for the absolute best in the hottest roles? And uh, we settled on 1983. That's the year where uh, Temple of Doom was being filmed and Trinidad comes out. Uh, if you Google Harrison Ford 1983, there's a particularly hot image of him. These sunglasses, he just looks uh, unreal, unreal. So, you know, maybe you guys don't think Harrison Ford's hot. And, you know, I will stop listening to this podcast. You do think that. But, you know, just answer the question. Who would be the hottest? Sorry for the background. I'm actually Googling. 
I, uh, I, I googled 1983. Molly, did you? No, I googled Harrison Ford's IMDb, and I'm looking at all of his credits now to decide when he was the hottest. First well, of all, we obviously all think Harrison Ford is hot. Obviously, I'm saying, assuming everyone else is on board. I think he is hot. Um, he is also one of the rare actors that I would say has not gotten better with age. I think when he is young, he is the hottest. Well, um, that's a that's a hot take that most people get yeah. hotter as I'm, they age. You, were you just saying he is the rare, he's the exception where he was hotter young? Or were you saying, yeah. the, okay, okay. <laughs> most like, right. actors I, I it, that I find physically appealing, uh, I like equ- at least equally across all their different aging uh, periods. And, I thought uh, you meant but, you were saying he like leveled off as an actor at a certain point, like he plateaued in terms of talent, <laughs> which I do kind of well, maybe think is true. Yeah, yeah, I mean, not not. It's not a lie. It's I'm, not a lie. I'm gonna uh, really quick say that if you do Google uh, Harrison Ford 1983, which now obviously everyone who's listening has to Google. He he had a really bad um, beard and mustache choice around that time. Yeah, and it's yeah. thrown in with the other images, and it honestly kind of ruins nineteen eighty three no, for me. It looks oh you're you're right. You know what I mean? Here's it's pretty here's bad. Here's what I'm gonna say. I'm gonna I think nineteen eighty three is a good choice because that's like you're between Indiana Jones, you're after Blade Star Wars, Runner. you're right at Blade Runner. Um, but I'm going to go controversial and say 1988 is the last time I found Harrison Ford very hot. Because that's when uh, okay. working, he's working in Working Girl. Girl. Oh, yeah. he's He is very attractive in Working Girl. And he's an asshole in Working yeah, Girl, Yeah, he's like so, a you know. hot, yuppie dick. Oh. He's so good. And uh, right after that is Last Crusade. And I feel like already by Last Crusade, I'm out right. again. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you guys that I think Harrison Ford... 1993. Ooh, go on. Whoa. I'm talking <laughs> okay. fugitive Harrison Ford. I this is the reason being that I feel like he was he was at a point in his life and his career where he he was so serious and it was like almost like re- a repellent kind of seriousness. He's mean and he was on the run and like he was, you know, a victim. I I felt like there was more complexity for me. And he was more accessible to me in The Fugitive. Maybe I prefer hmm. people who are like, who look like they have suffered a lot. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't kill his wife. He didn't kill his wife, yeah. but boy, you know, he almost should have at that point. I he just saw that everything. movie for the first time. It's a fantastic it's movie. very good. It's a really good movie. <laughs> the Fugitive. Um, That's Night Call's recommendation yeah, the fugitive. for the week. Emily, when do you think Harrison Ford... Don't try and skirt the question, Emily. ...was the most hot... Um, my favorite Harrison Ford is Joan Didion's Carpenter oh. Harrison Ford. Oh, zip. Uh, <laughs> slider. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's uh, above and beyond my, my favorite. Uh, those pictures of him at their beach house in Ventura are like both idyllic because the house looks beautiful and the yeah. life just looks incredible. And he's like smoking a joint, building a deck and you're just he's like. He's wearing these flannel shirts, building their fucking deck. It's just like kind of stereotypical, like female fantasy, but also just so what, it getting feels a so deck? specific. <laughs> Harrison Ford to build, yes, obviously, <laughs> surrounded by succulents, yeah, uh, <laughs> in the Central Coast. Uh, I have to tell you, I have a deck, and like occasionally the the animal noises coming from under the deck. I'm just like, what's the point of a deck? It's like you you build fake ground 
on a platform above perfectly good ground and you create this space of unknowns. Well, you better watch out because Harrison Ford might be living <laughs> under your <deck>. Yeah, I think <laughs> Harrison there, Ford circa his deck, his is deck like, habitation. Is there pot smoke like wafting out from I, under the... Being like a stoner <laughs> carpenter and then like meeting you know every single director in the course of your job and becoming Harrison Ford movie star feels like like such a I mean it's like kind of I don't know kismet in a way that I don't feel like happens anymore but it's also like the ultimate like attractive boy privilege story well he's a very good actor because he doesn't seem actorly which is like obviously really hard to do and the person I always compare him to in my head because I'm a million years old is Joel McRae Mm -hmm. who was another like guy who grew up in LA and just like became an actor but like had worked on a ranch where you're like wow that seems like they found that guy on like a ranch like building a deck and now he's in a movie but do you think Harrison Ford has a sense of humor I mean I'm concerned I don't know funny is maybe not his thing now that you mention it I mean Indiana Jones has a sense of humor that's that's the thing is he, he tricks you into thinking he does but I've never seen Harrison Ford like really cracking but it's possible I've missed Cracking. something. Now he's in the like the taken zone. Yeah. He's like an angry father. Yeah. He's- yeah. But maybe that's me. May- Honestly, maybe I just revealed that that's like you know the beginning of his angry father phase. Oh, was that's the what you like. Phase. Yeah. I, well, hmm. I mean, I wouldn't say it's what Emily, I like in Emily general. Emily likes but- him like unmolded clay. Just yeah. Like- yeah. Take I him. like him looking, looking, you know, fresh and young. Full I like of potential. <laughs> hey guys, you know, actually, I think my real answer might be that I think he's the most hot in uh, uh, American Graffiti. Yeah, where yeah. he's just like kind of well, a that's cameo. A, that's almost. almost unmolded. Yeah. Oh, he's so. That's uh, when you're just like, this guy should be the biggest movie star in the world because yeah. he's shining. He's just so hot. He's like McConaughey and Dazed and Confused. He just like, maybe that's just my fantasy for someone hot to like pull up in a car. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you, caller, for this question, which has inspired, I feel like, the liveliest, horniest debate so far on Night Call. Good uh, Night Call. We're only a few episodes in. I'm not saying that it is, it is the, the high water mark and it's all downhill from here. I'm just saying that thank you for bringing us to this level because it's great. Today's episode is sponsored by HelloFresh. HelloFresh is a meal delivery service that shops, plans, and delivers your favorite step-by-step recipes and pre-measured ingredients so you can just cook, eat, and enjoy. We've all tried HelloFresh here at Night Call. My favorite thing about it was not having to plan dinner because when I get in that dinner slump where I just cannot figure out what to do, it ends up being like hours and hours and then I just end up either eating just bread or getting takeout that I didn't really want. So with HelloFresh, you get to try new recipes that aren't already in your repertoire. It's nothing that you're sick of. It's stuff you haven't tried. Everything's delivered to your door in recyclable and insulated packaging. The recipes only take about 30 minutes, so you won't spend forever in the kitchen, and you can choose between three plans, classic, veggie, or family. I ordered the veggie box because I'm pretty sad about how much meat I eat, and I also have no idea how to cook vegetarian meals, uh, so I needed some help. I made orecchietti pasta with mushrooms and asparagus, and it was the jam. It was easy, filling, and something I probably wouldn't have thought to make on my own. If you'd like to give it a try and receive $30 off your first week of HelloFresh, visit HelloFresh.com and enter promo code CALL30. Again, that's HelloFresh.com with promo code CALL30 for $30 off your first week of HelloFresh. 
Um, you guys, can I can I request that we talk about the film Mother, even though it's not timely? Oh boy, can you? <laughs> because here's so I've been wanting to see Mother for a really long time. I wanted to watch it at home because that's how I prefer to watch my Aronofsky movies, and um, I couldn't see it for a really long time because I cut my eyeball. And, oh, right. Right. Well, can and you then, tell us more about how you cut your eyeball? You don't want to know, really. I do want to know. So, like, years ago, my son was a toddler, and he was gesticulating. He was telling a story, and one of his bad parents hadn't cut his fingernails in a bit, and he accidentally sliced my eyeball. Whoa. And, uh-huh. And then, but then it healed. I got a contact lens bandage, but then um, I scratched my eye like on you know just with you know like itched my eye and it it really hurt and I thought like I must have some sand in my eye or something and eventually like long story short it there had always been some kind of roughness left over from the first injury and then it like reopened on the I'm so sorry if you're eating something right now (laughs) or even if you're just having a body or yeah it's terrible it was a terrible experience it's a good body horror lead-in to well that's the thing is I was like all I want to do is watch mother because I know it's gonna it's just gonna be this like carnival of body horror but I can't and the way that they try to speed up healing with your eye is they put a placental bandage on. So it's like a slice of freeze-dried, like, placenta, amniotic cells. I don't know. And then That's they, the contact eye? They put that on, and then they put the contact lens on top to try to facilitate healing. But whether it was the, the idea of this or <laughs> there was something in it that my eye didn't like, it was like I got home and I thought I'll be fine. And almost 10 minutes after I got home... I had to be rushed back to the eye doctor and they had it was just a nightmare. They had to give me like Valium. They you were said like, it was like yeah. your body rejected, rejected it. It rejected the placenta. It rejected the placenta. So it was the plot of mother, but I couldn't see mother. Well, yeah. I mean, you've also like given birth a couple times. So you've like Yeah. I am a mother exclamation point. Yeah, you've exclamation seen a body mother. be inside out. Yeah. So I would think the placenta on the eye would just be after that, just like a yeah. like nothing. I just like that you like high on your list once your eye accepted the placenta and you could see again and your vision wasn't at risk mm-hmm. you were like time to watch mother this is what these <laughs> Let's things were our for teeth in a mother yeah <laughs> um what did you guys think of mother um i loved mother? how much molly hated mother before she hadn't seen it um she was like really out there like vocally anti-mother and then she saw it and she was like i love mother (laughs) (laughs) everyone should know by now that my thing is vocally taking a position and then completely changing my mind (laughs) and being really annoying if you're like well you didn't just change your mind you just hadn't seen the movie no i was just like this sounds bad because it's an allegory and i hate allegories Oh my god, I fucking hated this movie. Are you Tell me, me? Why? I, why? I can't believe that it's even worth arguing about. Like, it's just, it's something, I was just shocked at how many people thought that there was something, like, even people who are like, it's not good, but it's fun to talk about. No, it's not fun to talk about. It's just like a, a college kid stab at, at fucking, like, profundity about, like, it's the Bible, but it's also Mother Earth. Okay, but like, f- like let's <laughs> say you don't take any of the allegory <laughs> at its face value as being about Mother Earth, because it's obviously just about 
Darren Aronofsky dating Jennifer Lawrence. That was my preferred read. And on that note, it was like really interesting. Yeah, it was. I mean, yeah, he he was like, okay, it's kind of about global warming at one point. I think he spoke with IndieWire no, and answered some questions. He literally, I was at the premiere of it in New York City. Humble brag at Radio City Music Hall. It's not a humble brag because I didn't have a good time. And... <laughs> Uh, oh, I, there's like another fun anecdote from this event. But before it started, he came out and introduced the film. And you should never have Darren Aronofsky introduce his own film because he will ruin it. Oh, no. Um, and he was like, you know, I just want to say that this movie is about all mothers, but it's also about our mother. And then like <laughs> dropped the mic and walked off. And I was like, boo. Is this also where he handed out like that weird prayer card? The prayer card by... Oh, um, the prayer. Yeah. Was it Rebecca Solnit? Look, the, yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm only hating Mother's on handing prayer. out a, a prayer card at all. It's not the content of the prayer card. It's the pairing of a prayer card <laughs> with a movie. Look, you have to separate the art from the artist, guys. Uh, oh, now we do? No, but I feel like we should, this is a topic we will continue to explore throughout this podcast. Is yeah. uh, people you might not like making things you like sometimes. I uh, kind of thought, I was like, my first impression of Mother was I was like, oh, it's about capitalism, which I guess is how I come at everything that seems like dense at this point. Because I'm like, when I read the corrections, I was like, I love this book. It's about birth order. And then I was like, wait, it's about capitalism? So now I just assume everything Galaxy is about brain. capitalism. But I was like, oh, see, she married this idealist who's an artist. But now that she's pregnant and a homeowner, she's kind of a NIMBY. And she doesn't want him to invite in the new ideas because all of a sudden they threaten her safety. And then she's having to deal with her own decay and the house's decay, the inevitable decay. And I got really into that. And then I was like, oh, it's about global warming. But I'm not going to let it take that away from me because I still believe I'm right on yeah, some level. Yeah, I feel level. like it's like one of those movies where I don't feel guilty at all just being like, it's about whatever I think it's about. Because yeah. I thought... Jennifer I, Lawrence was really good, and it was like a good parable of like news in Hollywood. And no, I, also I did really not like, enjoy that. I also really like Black Swan. I love Black Swan. I love Black Swan. See, this is the thing. I'm not anti. You are more anti Aronofsky than I am. Well, I, I thought Jennifer enjoyed... Lawrence gave a better performance in Mother than Natalie Portman did in Black Swan. Personally, mm-hmm. I don't know. I thought she was good. I was. I was. She just had to be freaked out and scream and then get like the shit beat out of her. At the no, end, which was like so awful. She did so a lot awful. of painting. She did a lot of painting. She just wanted to paint and brace the sink. Yeah, the sink. <laughs> brace that sink. Also, um, it was just like it was hilarious. It was so the, the best part of the movie for me is when all of these terrible house guests keep coming through, and she's in a room, and this older gentleman comes by and like tries to come into the room and she's like what are you doing he's like sorry i was just exploring (laughs) and i just laughed so hard for some reason because i was like that's this is such a slice of life this is cinema verite because it's like can you imagine how horrible that would be if someone just came into your house and came into your bedroom and they're like just exploring well that was like obviously trying to be very rosemary's baby yeah just like all Mm -hmm. the weirdos are taking over in your space the most recent time for me that, that Mother came up was um, a friend of mine works in film production and she was on some shoot and they were she was in a production van and like having a really bad time because she was, I think, the only woman on the production and was just stuck in this van. And she decided to check out a lighthearted comedy called Mother? 
No, no. It's just that all the guys in the van. Well, first she had to overhear like a whole thing about how like do women really want to be cinema- cinematographers though? Like this oh, whole discussion, like dumb sexist like discussion between a bunch of like white film bros, Ew. and then. Uh, and then it got to how uh, Mother was the best movie of 2017, and it was better than Moonlight. And, <laughs> okay, <laughs> and I was like, hold that against Tess and I liking Mother. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just saying that, like, <laughs> that this is. I was just like, get out of the car. This isn't a safe space anymore. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I like a lot of things that like film bros like, and like they can still be wrong, and I can still like them. You know? No, like, totally. I'm just I saying, still that like that... Fight Club. Yeah, my oh, my no. husband said, you know what Fight Club's about. <laughs> Yeah, could it be? Is it capitalism? It is. <laughs> My true. husband did not like Mother, and he insisted he that he didn't. No, he didn't like Mother. Really? Yeah, I, I think he had high expectations, and mine were low. But he he then made us watch the episode of Twin Peaks. Got a light, I think. Um, oh, it's episode eight. It's, oh God, it's I so scary. It's eight or three. It's the one with a lot of nuclear bombs. It's the black imagery. and white one. Yeah, yeah. And and he was like, "See, this is Mother, but better." And I was like, oh, oh, for me, it's not at all. <laughs> it's not at all like Mother But Better. I mean, I think the, pe- I think the end of Mother is like a silly mess. Again, yeah. like I did have oh such low expectations for it that I was just sort of like laughing and enjoying seeing a movie. It's supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be funny. The end when there's like people chanting like Cici Puede or something. I was like, you don't know what you think this is about, which yeah. is why you're just going to tell everyone it's about global warming. Like, I, I really appreciate there being movies like Mother because I'm yes. like, this kind of failed, but I really enjoyed it. And I also, it made me think like, well, I just want every filmmaker to make their kind of mother, yeah, you, where they is, just kind of lose their train of thought, but they they have to keep finishing it and keep going, yes, and it's make it weirder. Yeah, that's the only aspect of Mother that I like is that it was a Paramount release, which right, is like I very was like, meta. Somebody but, let him make this. It's yeah. like a big budget, silly, like trying to make a Bergman movie. Well, it's like he's trying to make a Lars von Trier movie. This is the thing. Mother is not that extraordinary for how weird it is. Like, there's tons of weird shit out there. It's just interesting because it's a Paramount. It's a, it was exactly. a large-scale, like, award season release by a major studio. That is interesting and, and weird and doesn't happen all the time. Because it was about, like, a weird, the director-actress relationship and how fucked up it is. But he also tried to deny that, I think. Well, or, that's because yeah, he doesn't yeah. want to well, talk That's because it. it's that what would it be totally the last was about. reading he would want to be. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing was so worshipful of Jennifer Lawrence. And yeah, she looks amazing. She she glows. And the way that the camera follows her, it's like she's floating a lot of the time. Yeah. And it was just, I thought that was interesting because, like, he, he does kind of put her through these, like, humiliations and tortures. And it, remi- you know, he, he has a penchant for doing that with especially actresses, but also as actors. And so it seemed like a very self-aware commentary on, like, how he loves them and he respects them and he like distorts it and about and like dating it. like male artists who are like also insecure yeah. that are like and he I think Javier Bardem's character is written to be so silly I mean He's like so that was the, the poems <laughs> the poems he'd recite I mean but again I was like I know real poets and they are just as silly, just as silly. and serious about what they do like you, you know giving a speech at a dinner to, like a funeral for someone you didn't really know and just it's oh that was a real sitcom yeah. set. <laughs> yeah, it was. This episode of Night Call is brought to you by Audible, the leading provider of premium spoken audio content and entertainment. And Audible is great because you can switch between devices without losing your place, get a credit every month, good for any audiobook in their store. 
and the books are yours to keep so you always have access to your favorites. Today, Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. So just go to audible.com slash call and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a free title and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com forward slash call or text C-A-L-L to 500-500 to get started. That is call to 500-500. Audible content includes a huge selection of audiobooks, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, magazine and newspaper publishers, and business information providers. Uh, yes, I personally recommend pairing George Saunders or H.G. Wells with Tetris because it is the best experience ever. Um, but you also wouldn't be wrong if you wanted to listen to Sarah Vowell's Lafayette and the somewhat United States in the car. It has special guests, um, John Slattery, Nick Offerman, Bobby Cannavale, and a ton of others. It's, uh, they have a, they do have like a really huge selection and it's pretty, it's pretty awesome if you're playing video games that you can, uh, mute. So I highly recommend those things. I think that we should devote a minute to Frasier, but this week we're going to have a different kind of Frasier minute. That's right. We're going to talk about Brendan Frasier. Yeah, Fraser minute. It's the Brendan Frasier. I think it's still Frasier. Is, is it, it Fra- That's the, I was struggling with this. Yeah. Yeah, I think it is still Frasier. There was a really great profile of um, Brendan Frasier and where he's been uh, that was in GQ. Who was Zach Barron wrote it, right? Yeah, I think Zach Barron wrote it. Um, it it was a very well-written profile, I thought, uh, because it's packed a lot of suspense in. And um, among the kind of revelations was that Brendan Fraser kind of uh, stepped back from the spotlight after an incident at the 2003 Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Oh, the head of the Hollywood Foreign Press Association uh, groped Brendan Fraser at a party. He, like, grabbed his ass and then, like, put his whole hand in, kind of. Yeah, I think that he, the guy admitted to it in a book, and he says he squeezed his ass, and then Brendan Fraser was like, no, that's not what happened. He said, like, he grabbed my taint. Yeah. Uh, And then the guy has has denied it since then. Yeah. Um, Brendan Fraser was just like, oh, yeah, it really fucked me up. And he just talked about how, like, throughout his career, he, like, made movies. The reason he did so much physical comedy was because he was, like, a masochist and wanted to, like put his body through the ringer in all these ways and then he like fucked his body up real bad and he said he like put himself back together with like band-aids and ice packs all the time when he was filming like what movies fucked him up the mummy the mummy yeah he just like kept doing movies with like more and more stunts and more stuff that involved like and then he said like the climax was he was in this like bad looney tunes movie where he had to punch himself in the face well wasn't he playing he was playing his stunt double yeah it was really it was a confusing setup the end of postmodernism definitely that movie yeah, it was like he he was playing himself and he had to like punch himself in the face and he was just saying how he like really wanted to get it right and then he like punched himself in the face really hard and was like what am I doing? Yeah. Um and now he lives with like some horses. Yeah, he he brought right? home a horse from a shoot from Mexico, I think, and brought home the horse because he felt like he made this like instant connection with the horse. He compares himself to the horse from Animal Farm. That's yes. the sa- it's a very sad interview all in all, but he's like yeah, you know the horse and animal farm that's like the proletariat that just works and works and works and then it's like body breaks down and it realizes it's like shouldn't have done all the stuff it was told to do. Like that's me. 
and this horse that oh I rescued. God. He's always been so interesting because acting teachers, in my experience, having having taken some acting lessons that didn't work out very well, but uh, they often cite him as one of their favorite actors, which always seemed kind of hmm. weird because you're like, the mummy? Like, <laughs> was it he's that? a good comedian. But he's well, great. He was in Dogfight. I didn't realize that his yeah. first role was in Dogfight. Since this article has come out, I feel like everybody's been like, oh, I like Brendan Fraser. I have like nice memories of Encino Man, you know? Oh, Encino Man's yeah. so good. He's very likable. And again, I feel like Chris Pratt, everyone's like, oh, Chris Pratt is like people trying to make another Brendan Fraser slash make a, make a new Harrison Ford, and it just like doesn't work. Because it's like right. superficially the same things, but like no whatever that unknown quality is well, that makes it yeah. still still came off as a movie star though, and I think that the Chris Pratt thing is that there's he's he I always think of as the male equivalent of Jennifer Lawrence, where it's like this could be you, except he's like a little more attractive, but still seems like somebody. But Jennifer Lawrence would know seems, or could be Jennifer like, Lawrence seems like funny and cool, yeah. and Chris Pratt to me seems like somebody I would like not like at all in real oh, life. See, but I think the people who are meant to like be his demographic do think he's I also feel like in Jurassic World which you know I liked him in Guardians of the Galaxy fine like I got when they were first being like he's Harrison Ford I was like okay fine but in Jurassic World the way they try to make him Harrison Ford is just by having him be a dick the whole time and it sucks Han Solo is like charming and I don't know, like, why is it different when he does it? It just is, you know? That also, like, the guy who wrote that movie is just, like, one of the biggest hacks in <laughs> the whole, like, working today, and he keeps getting these huge jobs, and I totally forget his name and what his next thing is, but I think, yeah. Did you see Passengers? Guy. No, I didn't see Passengers. Maybe we should all watch Passengers. <laughs> you did? Yes, I did. Well, I mean, I, that's Meh. the thing, like, that, that, that proves the point is that, like, they're the equivalent of each other, and when they're in the same movie, it just, like, cancels each, they cancel each other out, and it's, the like, a non-entity that nobody contradict. wants to see. <laughs> yeah, totally. Hey, we should take another night call. Yeah, let's take another night call. Yes, it looks like we have an, an email from, we'll call him Joe, um, and it says, I am needing some help. My wife hates me and I need some attention. What do I need to do? She's into things that I haven't experienced before and I have ruined our marriage. Help. Um, wow. That's a that, real night call. Yeah, that is that is a night call in email form for sure. Um, I, w- I would like some more detail about sh- the things that she is into that he hasn't experienced. But I feel like no matter what it is, I don't know. I feel like that's an easy kind of thing to get hung up on. I know that I have kind of experienced that kind of stuff before in relationships where it's like the the difference of experience, especially like experience that gets weighted a lot, like, you know, drugs or sex or something like that gets like like becomes very big in, in the other person's mind sometimes. Joe should talk to his wife. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny that Joe... I mean, I think you have to break it down. His wife, okay, his wife hates him. He needs some attention. What do I need to do? She's into things that I haven't experienced before, and I've ruined our marriage. So these are two very separate. So what's an experience gap that's easy to close, right? If the issue is like my wife's done all the peyote and I haven't done enough, peyote. I like that you go to drugs. I'm assuming he's talking about sex. Is it just easier to talk right, about but then the peyote? I'm like, what if the experiences are like she wants to make out with women and that's like something he can't help? He's, but he's made out with women. But he's that, yeah, I I think we just have to take this as like an abstract. 
like difference in experience. I'm assuming that she she's been around the block or something in some in whatever block that may be. She has been right. around it more. If she's been around the block and she ended up with you, Joe, though, that means that. Yeah, she doesn't, she doesn't miss the block. That was an informed don't, choice, exactly. Yeah, yeah, don't ignore that, and I mean, and and don't open by saying that she hates you because that feels like you you then that's a very self defeating. Yeah, you're projecting a bit. Yeah, maybe you haven't yeah. ruined things if she's still your wife. Yeah, if you need attention and you feel as though there's an experience gap, probably you need to prepare yourself for one of you know for two different outcomes. One being that you should try a new experience together, right, that she's never experienced. Don't laugh, Molly. I'm sorry. I was just thinking <laughs> maybe they should watch Mother together. Well, honestly, I mean, you. I think you think of something that neither of you has ever done, and you try it together with the knowledge that you're at a very rough place in your relationship, and that will either bring you together or drive you apart. And it could be d- perceived differently by the two of you. So... It doesn't have to be drugs, but no. it, they could. They could. Um, but yeah, you could watch Mother. Say it couldn't hurt. <laughs> How did you know? Um, no, it could hurt. That's it's not true. You should and definitely not. Just opiate. go skydiving, or if that's what about like going to where have you not been? Portugal, <laughs> maybe. Be like, we're going to try and save our marriage. We've never been to Portugal. We're going to do peyote in Portugal. We're going to do peyote in Portugal and and adopt a porcupine. We're going to do all the peas that we've never done. And then if it doesn't work out, you know that you tried. I do recommend going someplace different together. Yeah. It's good to get out and be in a new environment with your partner. I would say do something that requires the least logistics possible because that is a recipe to be screaming at each other, especially if you're, you're in a kind of raw and tender place. Um, don't go camping, in no. other words. Um, and don't, like, try to go to a city and, like, do something where you have to do all this stuff and everything. Like, do something kind of simple and low-key but still unfamiliar. Yeah, not a staycation. Get out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, also, you can't ruin a marriage. You can only you can make bad decisions that show you things about yourself and your partner that mean that maybe it's no longer your time to be together. But I don't think you should take the blame on yourself. You've ruined the marriage. Like you made choices authentic to who you were, probably, and your wife is having an emotional response that's authentic to who she is. So now you just have to figure out if it's an external problem or if it's you know an internal problem. But Regardless, Joe, you're going to be okay. We got your back, Joe. Yeah, we're, we're your friends here. Yeah, you're, good luck, Joe. Call buddies. Yeah. It was nice of you to reach out. Yeah, thank you for being vulnerable. Should we have another um, night email? Yeah. So this one comes from Amanda. Hi, all. Found your podcast from Astonishing Legends today, and I thought I'd pitch you guys a question. Last week, during a late night of knitting, listening to a post-apocalyptic audiobook and drinking wine, I found myself... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I found myself Googling appropriate level of apocalyptic paranoia and pulling out reference books to cuddle with. Google was unable to provide a satisfactory answer. Neither was the wine. Any insights? Thanks. Amanda. Um, I love this question. Yeah. I feel like it really... uh, is also maybe directed at Tess, who is my most post-apocalyptic uh, strategy Googling friend, probably. Well, I am a mother. <laughs> um, no, all of us are scared about the apocalypse, right, guys? Yeah, but I feel like, again, you're the Graysmith. You, like, do the most research into, like, what's the actual plan. 
Well, I was just saying, I've noticed there's like a strong uptick in leftist preppers. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Um, hmm. And I watched a documentary once about people who live in their RVs, and they all like clarified that they were like hippies, not preppers. But I think now we're getting more of both. Yeah. Can I um, briefly just say that I misinterpreted this question initially to basically be asking uh, our opinion on wine pairings for apocalyptic anxiety. Well, that's and the I, subject I line. <laughs> I yeah. have one too. Well, I would also like to preface by saying that this came up recently. I was at Sundance and there's a movie um, directed by Reed Murano. She did like the first three episodes, I think, of Handmaid's Tale. and But this movie is called... Uh, oh, God. Uh, I think we're alone now. And... Um, one of the aspects of it, which I did like, is that it kind of posits that the wine would be one thing that would be great about the apocalypse because it doesn't go bad. If you're one of the last rem- survivors of the apocalypse and you're just wandering around, like all the wine is at your disposal and it's it's totally fine. And wine enough at last. Yeah. <laughs> wine enough at last. <laughs> Emily, what's your wine recommendation for the apocalypse? I mean, I think that you have to go for red. I would say I would say something earthy because like something silty and earthy. Uh, I had this wine once in Montreal that I feel like and I wish I could. I took a picture of it and I would bring it up if I had been more prepared. But I feel like it was uh, it was definitely a French wine and it was uh, it was really gritty in a way that I felt like this feels like did it taste like dirt? Yeah, it literally did taste like dirt, and it was great. Uh, and it I, tasted I took a like a picture of my glass, like an open grave. Yeah, yeah. Tess, what's your apocalypse wine? I have a the high end recommendation is a good Albarino because I really <laughs> like Albarinos when I'm like dealing with with shit. This is very Frasery. Also, <laughs> it is. It's so Frasery. <laughs> it's uh, the Frasier minute that goes on, but. I have to recommend this cheap one because part of the deal with weathering the apocalypse is that you don't know how long you'll be stuck inside or wherever you are. So if you happen to be in the room with the wine and a wine corkscrew, then you would want like a lot of it. And so this wine's like $6 (laughs) at Trader Joe's and it's the Schloss Biebrich Rosé Sect. And I'm telling you guys, it because it's not the kind of wine that you like sit with and enjoy too much it's the kind of wine that you could if you needed to drink in a panic of just like (laughs) chugging it like just get it down but it's bubbly so it's also not just like a depressing astringent thing a little fruity pretty dry at the same time i feel like if i drank a magnum of bubbly wine really fast i would throw up so fast well maybe you wouldn't because the worst thing that could possibly happen has already happened and so you'd be almost (laughs) anxiety-less about your body probably you know what i mean it reminds me of the episode of bojack where there's an earthquake and oh yeah yeah yeah. Um, the apocalypse yeah Jessica it's Beale. basically the apocalypse yeah jessica beals there yeah and uh and they're stuck in the they're basically trapped in the house with just like a room full of champagne yeah that was uh, a great episode that had nothing to do with the rest of the season <laughs> yeah. a great season yeah I mean, it served a plot function, but it was also just like as a standalone. I think about that episode all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it made me like Jessica Biel a lot. I have to say that I was in a in a conversation with um, some friends of mine the other day about what you would do in a nuclear in the event of a nuclear catastrophe, and I had read online that you you want to go inside and shower, but not scrub with a mild soap. 
and then go underground with as much cement above you as possible so like a subterranean parking lot would probably be ideal and then you have to wait for like 48 hours i think that's so funny though because i'm like when you say subterranean parking lot my first thought is like but then what if there's an earthquake right exactly <laughs> which there inevitably probably would be but it would be retrofitted but uh, but then my neighbor was like no you get on a dirt bike right after it happens and you go to <laughs> reno and i was like but you wouldn't know you could be driving like right into the mushroom cloud on a dirt bike maybe he thinks that because of the stand because in the stand it was from the stand everybody goes to las vegas <laughs> trash can man or whatever his name okay is. well we're all gonna meet at the atomic museum in las vegas okay Okay, perfect. When the event happens. Yeah, and then we'll just redo it like San Junipero and Janelle Monae will be our new president. We'll hang out in the uh, historic bunker they have there and we'll drink all of the pink wine. Uh, I'm very excited, guys, about Night Call. Yeah. Please leave us some Night Calls at 124046night. Or email us at nightcallpodcast at gmail.com. And remember to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review on iTunes Podcasts. And you can also follow us on Twitter at nightcallpod and Instagram at nightcallpodcast. Looking for a fabulous fashion brand that celebrates you? Then look no further than Boston Proper, where styles are designed with you in mind, so you can look and feel amazing, no matter the day, season, or occasion. At bostonproper.com, you'll find fashion that knows you best. For over 30 years, Boston Proper has been the fashion destination for confident women who want to elevate their look with unique, sophisticated clothing at affordable prices. Visit bostonproper.com today. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula. Berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite. With just two capsules a day, Smart Metabolic Burn by BrainMD can kickstart your metabolism, fight stubborn body fat, especially that pesky abdominal fat, and support your weight management journey. And right now, save over 30% on Smart Metabolic Burn at GetSmartBurn.com. The lowest price anywhere. That's GetSmartBurn.com. Don't delay. Transform your life with Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Our products are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. 
Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love at first listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.